This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. It's hard to believe, guys, but uh, we're coming up on week seven of the NFL season and nearly halfway through the year. We still have six undefeated teams. Yes, six. Denver, New England, Carolina, Green Bay, Cincinnati, and your Hall of Fame guys. Yeah, that would be us, Clark, Rick, and Ron, and we have another winning lineup in store for you today. First up, Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz as our Salute to Hispanic Heritage Month continues, followed by the Cowboy Charlotte Jones-Anderson for the third in our four-part series on women in the NFL. Charlotte, of course, is more than Jerry Jones' daughter. She's one of the brightest and most civic-minded young executives in the NFL. We're also going to hear from Mike Reese of ESPN.com. Mike covers the Pats, so he deals with Ron every day, and good luck with that. And we'll hear from Rick on why former Dallas cornerback Everson Walls, yes, Everson Walls deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But first, speaking of those Patriots, Ron, unbeaten on the field, Unbeaten in Judge Richard Berman's court. Is this 2007 all over again? That is minus Randy Moss. In a word, no. <laughs> look, they have, you know they've played. They've, look, they've done a great job. They played well, uh, but they really haven't played anybody. You know, the Pittsburgh team they played was obviously uh, depleted, and you can see that they've uh, improved since, even without their quarterback, and will probably continue to improve. You know, the Buffalo was half of a competitive team, although actually my man Tyrod played pretty well in that ball game. You know, you got the Jaguars, you, you, you got the Nitwit Colts. Uh, so, they, you know, this week will be a good test for them, uh, even though the Jets are, like many of these teams, half a team. But, but no, I don't, I don't think it's like 07. You know, they had Moss, they had Welker, uh, they had the rules, they had everything going for them. This year's a little different. Deflated sure footballs. They have Brady, though. They have Deflated Brady. footballs going for them. That's right. Yeah, well, okay, all right. And Judge Berman, too. <laughs> hey, Goose, he mentioned the New York Jets this weekend. He said they haven't played anybody. They're going to play somebody this weekend, and those are those J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But it's hard for me to get a read on them as well. I know they're playing well, and they have Revis, but what do you expect in Foxborough? Well, I expect a very competitive football game. You know, the Jets lost twice to the Patriots last season by a total of three points. And this New York team goes to Foxborough with something it didn't have last season, the best defense in the NFL. The Jets have the running game with Chris Ivory to keep Brady off the field and and cornerbacks uh, Daryl Rivas and Antonio Cromartie to make it difficult for him when he's on the field. How about you, Ron? Well, I think think Goose is right that uh, there's no sane Patriot fan, which is a small sample, as you guys know, (laughs) but there's no sane Patriot fan who who would not trade today's Patriot defense for today's Jets defense. No question about it. I think it's interesting for guys, especially like Goose and I, you're a thoroughly modern Millie there, Clark, so uh, you like this offense. But for Goose and I, it's an interesting matchup of a powerful defensive team against a powerful offensive team, uh, the old school against the new rules. And so it's going to be interesting to me to see how it happens. And, and, you know, Goose mentioned something I had forgotten. I didn't realize I, I had sort of forgotten that those games last year against the Jets were as close as they were, and that's and they're a better team this year. You mentioned sane Patriots fan, Ron. Isn't that called an oxymoron or maybe yes. an oxy 
moronic. Yeah, emphasis on the moron. That's yeah, Ron was, Ron was talking present company included. Yeah. Oh, 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 thank Ouch. you. There goes. Uh, hey, goose. Since I mentioned the Pats, uh, I'd put them in Green Bay in the Super Bowl today. I think you would too. Anybody would. But who would you put in the conference championship games? In other words, who three and four are on this list? Cincinnati over in the AFC and Arizona in the NFC. Ooh. Yes, Clark. That would entail the Bengals winning a playoff game to get uh, there. I think Cincinnati is the most complete team in football right now. Ronnie? Well, I I agree with him, although I'm still going to say Denver and New England because I want to see that defense, D versus O, and Green Bay and Arizona for sure, uh, cold versus hot. <laughs> Bro, what happened to Carolina games? Hey, hey, Goose, I, I know you were in Detroit last weekend, which means you, I guess you saw Golden Kate's quote-unquote touchdown catch. I saw I, I'm sorry, but it's clear to me now after I listened to Dean Blandy that nobody knows what a catch is especially Dean and his officials. So how would you rectify what has become a problem that really refuses to go away? Very easy, Clark. After you score a touchdown, you hand the ball to the referee without it ever hitting the ground. And this goes for wide receivers and running backs. I've long had a problem with running backs who dive into the end zone and lose control of the ball when they hit the ground. Why should running backs be held to a different standard than wide receivers? To score a touchdown, you must have complete control of the ball before and after you cross the goal line. Well, we've got complete control, Goose, because we're going to commercial. And when we return, it's with Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz on his heritage, the Hall, and those never say die, except in January, Goose, Cincinnati Bengals. This is the Talk of Fame (laughs) Network. Hey, Rick and Ron, how do you capture the flaky and, yes, buttery lightness of your favorite sandwich? All together now, guys, by saying croissant-witch. Get two now for only $4 at Burger King. Restrictions apply. Two days ago, Jeff McDonald posted the following. Just watch the sunrise from above the clouds. So stoked. Jeff got 19 likes and seven comments. Not bad, Jeff. Geico has a comment to add that may make you even more stoked. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance by switching to Geico. And if that doesn't put your head above the clouds, you'll have the extra money to scale a peak that will. Hashtag on cloud nine. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. 
Our first guest is the only living Hispanic member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Anthony Munoz is widely considered to be the greatest offensive tackle in football history. Named to 11 straight Pro Bowls and nine first-team All-Pro teams in his 13 years with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a career that lasted far longer than many expected. After suffering three knee injuries at USC, Anthony played only one game his senior season. Nevertheless, the Bengals made him the third player drafted in 1980, and he didn't disappoint, missing only three games because of injury in the first 12 years of his career. A member of both the all-decade team of the 1980s and the NFL's 75th anniversary team, Anthony Munoz was recently ranked on an NFL Network survey as the 12th greatest football player in NFL history. Anthony, it's a pleasure to have you on the Talk of Fame Network. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Uh, we're doing good, Anthony. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, as a kid growing up, as I understand, you were too big to play Pop Warner uh, football there in Southern California. <laughs> and uh, at that time, as you know better than I, I guess, there weren't a lot of Hispanic role models in, in the game. Uh, how did that affect you and affect your interest in the game when you were a kid? Well, it really didn't. Uh, you know, baseball was my first love, so I uh, played a lot of baseball, uh, even though I couldn't play uh organized uh, football. I played a lot of sandlot football and a lot of flag football. And maybe it was better because, you know, I was a third baseman pitcher, started playing baseball at the end of the uh, age of six. So I was a third baseman pitcher. So from eight years old to 13 years old, I was a quarterback. Maybe if I had put the pads on early, like when I got to high school, pads on, they moved the line, I wouldn't have had that quarterback experience. So, you know, it really didn't affect me. I loved doing what I was doing as a kid. And, you know, I loved being a multiple sport guy, but uh, when I got to high school, that's when I first put the pads on. And uh, like I said, for that first day of practice, I was going to be a quarterback. Coach looked at me and said, no, nah, I don't think so, son. You're a lineman. And uh, <laughs> that's all she wrote. Anthony, you, you, you pitched on Southern Cal's National Championship baseball team in 78. Was there ever a chance you'd go baseball instead of football? You know what? I still really enjoyed it then, but uh, I think by that time, the confidence and the belief in maybe I could play not only at USC, but on the next level on the football field really started to come around, especially my junior year. I think that's really when I the confidence and I, I said, you know what? Maybe I can play on the next level. So even though I still wanted to play baseball at SC, I think my you know, my, my focus and stuff had kind of switched at time, that time over to football. We're with Anthony Munoz on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Anthony, I mentioned earlier about those knee injuries that uh, limited you your senior year. Just wondering, how concerned were you that that might affect your draft status? You know what? I, I knew that it probably would, but my, my main focus was just getting to a camp. It, it didn't matter if it was as a draft pick or as a free agent signing, because that's basically what people said was going to happen. A lot of people were saying the dream was over. So my goal was to get my body in the best possible shape, going through the combine, and making sure that I could at least get to a, um, a camp. So, you know, as far as being overly concerned about, you know, it affecting my draft position, it was there, but I wouldn't say I was consumed by it. It was more, okay, let's get ready. Let's just see if you can compete on that level if you get a chance to go to camp. Well, Anthony, let's go back in the time machine a little bit and see if I got this story right. I believe the Bengals sent Forrest Gregg out to USC to personally <laughs> test you for the draft. And at one point, I've been told by my little minions, that he tried to put the pass rush moves on you, and you decked him and knocked him to the floor, uh, to the ground. Uh, did you really think that was a good idea, or what you do when he was on the ground? Well, it wasn't premeditated. It was one of those reactionary uh, things. It's funny because when he was coming out, I knew exactly. You know, I met him in January. The Bengals had flown me out to Cincinnati, so I'd met him after they hired him. 
and then he did come out to work me out. Basically, it was just him and I on the practice field at USC. He put me through about an hour and a half, hour and 45-minute workout. And then finally, right at the end, he said, uh, you know, because he was still pretty intimidating uh, when he was, you know, the first got the head coaching job. He was probably, you know, early 40s, still big and, you know, had that southern draw, had that little twitch. And uh, <laughs> so he said, I'm just going to I'm just gonna make some, you know, I'm going to be the pass rusher. I'm just going to make some moves. You just react. And, uh, you know, I knew that going through that workout, they were, the, they were the only team in the top five that did that. So I figured, man, I got to show this guy that I am fine. My legs are fine. And he was out there, and he made a little stutter and started the inside. I took a step out. And when he came in, he tried to kind of put his arm in kind of a swim move. And I took both hands and just planted a nice punch in his chest. And uh, <laughs> he hit the ground He hit the ground pretty hard. And I reached over, and I apologized. And he just looked up at me and, and just smiled and said, no problem. That's okay. And I think that's okay. That, that's, I think that's going to work to my advantage. <laughs> Anthony, what was it like for a Hispanic kid who played football in South Central L.A.? to arrive in Cincinnati in 1980 was a bit of a culture shock, maybe? Uh, it was a little bit. You know, people that see the picture of me with my hair, you know, down to my shoulders, or big old, <laughs> you know, they talk about the Troy Palomales and the guys. Uh, you know, we had a couple guys in the Bengals. You know, we were coming out of the 70s, so that was kind of it. And, uh, you know, here I was, uh, close to 300 pounds, hair down, you know, hair down the middle of my back, 50 pounds of it with hair. My <laughs> wife and I go to Cincinnati, and it's like, okay, here we are. <laughs> we had a few strange looks, but, the, you know, the fun thing about it, though, is that the embracement and the really the acceptance really came quickly, and uh, and we're thankful for that. And, uh, you know, so it, it was kind of a culture shock. I mean, there was not a Mexican restaurant around. I couldn't get salsa. I had to bring my mom back to get some homemade tortillas. And uh, so, you know, we were kind of... Uh, had a void to fill there, but, uh, you know, 35 years now that we've been living there, it's a great place. We, I mean, we took to it right away, and we made it our, our full-time uh, residency in my third year in the league, and we've been there for seven. There's always that skyline chili, right? Well, uh, you know, it's big there. I can't <laughs> say that I, you know, I, I've consumed a lot in my 35 years there. <laughs> We're with Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz on the Talk of Fame Network, and Anthony, uh, you were once quoted as saying it was, quote, a, a big deal. Uh, for Hispanic, who wasn't a kicker to be drafted by an NFL team. <laughs> did you feel that you were representing more than just yourself as a player? I did. I mean, it's, it's something I totally understand. I'll be the first to say I'm an American. I was born in the United States. But uh, also, you know, one of the things that my family made sure is we didn't lose sense of history. We didn't lose our culture. My grandparents, great-grandparents were from Mexico. So uh, the fact that, uh, you know, I, I was from, you know, Hispanic descent and you know, being in the NFL, it was, it was always like, I've always felt that I've been a role model. I've taken that seriously. I still take it serious. But the fact that I've come from a culture where it wasn't, you know, the norm to be an NFL football player. So I, I took that, you know, it was not only a privilege, but I, I looked at it as a serious role model to be able to model for other young people. Because, you know, we had the Ralphie Alceptias, and just then that has Frank Corral. We had a lot of kickers, but, uh, you know, to have a six foot six three hundred pound lineman playing in the NFL, was rare. And the fun thing for me is for 10 years, my first 10 years, there was two of us on the same line, Max Montoya, who came from East L.A. So, uh, you know, not only were we rare as big linemen being Hispanic, but to have two on the same team for 10 years was pretty special. But, yeah, I did uh, I did look at that and say, okay, you know, here's uh, I dream big. I, I was able to make it. So let's, let's share that message with other Hispanic kids, not only, you know, across the board, but also Hispanic kids. Now you played in, in two Super Bowls. Uh, you lost two really close games to the to the 49ers. I'm wondering, all these years later, how many times have you replayed those games in your mind? 
And what do you think the difference was between those two teams? Because obviously there wasn't much difference. Well, it's been about nine months until you just brought it up. So, you know, I thank you for that. <laughs> now, as you know, I mean, as you get close to, you know, you get in the playoffs, you get close to the Super Bowl. I mean, the highlights just, I mean, every time you're watching, uh, you know, sports, there's highlights of every Super Bowl. And, you know, there's the goal line stand. And, of course, the, the big one is I'm, I always hope that John Taylor drops the pass. There were 34 seconds left in Miami. <laughs> but he always catches it. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, especially uh, when we head west and, you're, you know, we're in L.A. right now, and you always you always run into some 49er fans. It doesn't matter where you are. And uh, and they find out, that, you know, that I've played in those games, and they just kind of, you know, they, it's almost like, uh, you know, they, they feel bad for you, but not really feel bad for you. <laughs> Anthony, two questions. One quick one. Do you, do you have any frostbite in that game? You know what? Uh, as a lineman, I have plenty of padding, so I didn't have to worry about that. You probably have to ask the running back and the wide receivers that don't have as much insulation. But, uh, I, you know, it was un- it was unbelievable. I mean, I said, people asked me, I said, it was just painfully cold. Not only were you playing, like, on asphalt, but it was so cold. And the crazy thing about it, I mean, the sky couldn't have been bluer. The sun couldn't have been shining any brighter, and it was 59 below. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was painfully cold. And second question, are the Bengals back? Is this is this team capable of going to the Super Bowl? I think so. You know, I, I've continued to have season tickets. I you know I do the preseason games. I watch them every year, and I think this team has not only the the physical makeup, but I think they've shown the last two weeks that they have the mental makeup to to end up in San Francisco. So yeah, I you know it, it's one of those things. Of course, everybody talks about the playoffs. Uh, you know, they, you don't you never hear the ten eleven wins for the last ten or four or five years. But I think they have the the personnel. I think they have the depth. Uh, and I think they have, you know, and they've been showing so far. I mean, one of the things I looked at was their extremely tough schedule, and they've started out great, as you know, undefeated. And, uh, you know, they still have some tough games ahead of them, but I, I do believe they have the, uh, the makeup to do it. Anthony, I want to follow up on that question about the Bengals. Andy Dalton having a great year so far. Why should I trust him when he's 0-4 in the playoffs, one touchdown, six interceptions? Is this the year he breaks through? I think so, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to be the first to admit it's not, uh, you know, to me, they, it's not uh, Joe Montana didn't beat Boomer Esiason. Joe Montana didn't beat Tina Anderson. Andy Dalton did not lose to Philip Rivers. It's a whole squad, and uh, you look at all the injuries they've had over the years. Sure, he hasn't played that well, but I think it is. Just watching him, I think he has something that he didn't have in the previous years. And, and a, a key, you know, you asked me, uh, is this team – a team to get there, and I'm going to backtrack and say if they stay healthy. You know, with their perimeter guys, you know, A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, the new Tyler Eifert, I mean, you talk about mismatches. Of course, A.J. was hurt a lot last year. Tyler was all out all season. Marvin Jones was out all They were not there. And the offensive line's pretty good. You got Jeremy Hill and Leonardo, Giovanni Bernard. So the key is going to be health. And then I think this is the year that Andy, uh, Andy can do it. Now, again, these first two games, or not the first two games, but the Baltimore game and uh, the Seattle game, the way he handled the, you know, bringing them back, I think it's really shown a lot. Speaks volumes. Just before you run, just one really quick question: You have a better touchdown to, re- to reception ratio than Chris Collinsworth, seven catches, four touchdowns. <laughs> who, who was the better receiver, you or Collinsworth? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say it, that I was better, but you just mentioned the ratio of catches and touchdowns. I think you know, I think those guys are always going to stats. So let's just go to the stats. I guess is high speed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, Chris is my guy. I, I became his, uh, his designated spiker for a few years there, and uh, I just would, was just really upset when he would catch the real long 
ones because I had to really run a long way to the end zone. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of those things that Sam Weiss, I mean, to me, he was an offensive genius. And he brought that in, put two big linemen at the tight end position. And really the first game he did that, he had a design play for me to be the primary receiver. And I'm thinking he's a little nuts. I mean, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback with Boomer, and he's calling a play where we have to score a touchdown to tie the Cleveland Browns to take it to overtime. And the primary receiver is his offensive tackle. But it worked out, and I, you know, I kind of lobbied for him after that. Anthony, we're going to have to run, but thank you so much for the time. Okay. And best of luck with those Bengals. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Great being with you today. Thanks, Thanks Anthony. Yeah, appreciate appreciate it. it. That was Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. Coming up, the Hall of Blame and the worst plays in NFL history. This is the Talk of Fame Network. If your computer is running slow, go to mycleanpc.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate my clean pc software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer increase your computer speed today with mycleanpc.com that's mycleanpc.com hi i'm bruce fabrizio inventor of simple green the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe try a simple green product today and if you're not 100 percent satisfied i'll refund your money visit us at simplegreen.com as an entrepreneur you're always on the go so turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with grasshopper the entrepreneur's phone system get a new business number or keep your current one sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone you can even get voicemails transcribed join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with grasshopper see how it works at grasshopper.com the entrepreneur's phone system only Wendy's makes a deal feel like a meal. Introducing the new four for four. Four bucks for the junior bacon cheeseburger with freshly cooked applewood smoked bacon, four all white meat nuggets, and natural cut sea salt fries and drink. That's right, just four bucks for a junior bacon cheeseburger, nuggets, fries, and a drink. That's one beefy, cheesy, sizzling, crispy, icy deal. Get more. Get four for four now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Football fans, get your Luxon and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first-string shows like Fantasy, The Strip's Sexiest Adult Review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat panel TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices. That's Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Also brought to you by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. And guys... Since we were talking to Anthony Munoz, you know, I'd recommend some of that Geico insurance for the Bengals drive in January. Goose, I know you like them in January. I don't. You know, unless the bottom falls out, they're going to be in the playoffs. And after listening to Anthony, I'm, I don't know, I'm almost inclined to jump on the bandwagon. I said almost. But I was a history major, and I believe history teaches us lessons. And the lesson here, 0-6 and six playoff record for, friend of the show, Marvin Lewis. And 0-4 and record for Andy Dalton. So my message is this. Don't buy stock in the Bengals, Goose. 
Ron, what I find interesting is that when the Bengals do win the Super Bowl next February, Clark will be putting Marvin Lewis on the same pedestal as Bill Belichick, and he'll be Andy Dalton's best friend. He'll start championing him for the Hall of Fame, just like he did Russell Wilson a few years back. And, you know, we never hear Clark talk about Russell Wilson anymore. <laughs> no, we don't. You're right. He'll have orange shoes and dye his hair orange. <laughs> yeah, Halloween treat in January. <laughs> well, the, the playoffs, of course, are a long way away, so... We can resume this conversation, I guess, as the season goes along. But uh, what I'd like to address now is something I saw this week, and it came from Hall of Fame voter and friend of the show, Peter King. He wrote this week in his Monday morning quarterback column that was that Indianapolis's botched fake punt. Ron, you were there for it, or a swinging gate or brain lock or whatever you want to call it, against the Patriots was the worst play call in his 31 years of covering the league. Okay, wow. listen. Yeah, I know. I, I, like, that's fine. Free countries, the guy's entitled to his opinion. But excuse me, guys. I'm, did Peter not see the end of Super Bowl 49? I thought I saw him at that game. I mean, if I'm starting my Hall of Blame, I'm starting there. Yeah, the bigger the stage, the bigger the mistake. And I agree with you on the Russell Wilson pass because it was in the final minute of the Super Bowl. Games played in February carry a higher level of significance than those played in October. And Ron, did you notice that Clark couldn't bring himself to use the name Russell Wilson in the same sentence with that blunder? Yeah, he didn't mention who, who, how, what happened. What did who happen? Who? who? Russell who? 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 who yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, to me, guys, Peter's response is typical of, uh, of how so much of the world is today. You know, everything's instantaneous. Nothing happened. You know, if it happened 45 minutes ago, it didn't happen. Everything's about the moment. Uh, nothing else lives or ever you know, had any significance. If that's the worst call he's seen in 31 years of covering professional football, he must have been covering his eyes at a lot of these games because uh, <laughs> <laughs> break, would you? Well, hey, Ron, just on that, and this is going to take a little bit of a sidestep here. Goose, I know you were in Michigan last week, and, of course, there was a game at uh, Ann Arbor. I think you, you remember or you saw or I don't know, but uh, you might want to talk about it briefly here because somebody wrote about that and said, the greatest ending in college football history. Greatest ending in college football history. Oh, he has trouble with the snap, <laughs> and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Hey, Ron, that was Rick. That was Rick in his TV. <laughs> that was Rick. But anyway, so you want to discuss the greatest game ever played? No, but wait, wait, (laughs) Goose, Goose, wait, no, yeah, I do. How about the 1982 Stanford Cal game? Or Ron, how about the 1968 Yale Harvard game? Harvard wins 28 28. Or the Doug Flutie game, friend of the show, Doug Flutie. Goose, I'll take you back to the 1962 AFL title game. It wasn't a play, but it was a Titanic blunder. At the overtime coin toss, the Dallas Texas win the toss, and Captain Abner Haynes said his team will kick to the clock. When the referee heard the words, we'll kick, that gave the Houston Oilers a choice of which end to defend. They obviously took the one at their back, so the Texans wound up kicking into overtime into the wind. Turns out it didn't hurt them, though. Dallas won the game in the second overtime, but what a call. What a call, Peter. What a call. Yeah, great call, Peter. Hey, listen, Ron, I've I've got a question for you, and it's sort of where Goose is going here. I want to know really where this one ranks because I don't think it's that big a deal. Certainly, it's not 
the, the worst play call I've seen in over 30 years. You and I and, and Rick each have been doing this over 30, actually over 35 years of covering the league. But I, I remember, for instance, <laughs> Marty Mornowick's decision to kick off in the 2002 overtime game against Chicago. Not real good, especially when his defense had been on the field the series before. Uh, I didn't see any mention of the miracle of the Meadowlands. Uh, that was in 1979, so I guess that doesn't qualify. But where does this <laughs> rank in your mm, top five, top ten, whatever? Oh, I you know I don't think it's in the I, you know if I really gave it a lot of thinking I'm sure it wouldn't even be in the top ten. Look, it was stupid. Uh, it it, it uh, as it turns out cost them uh, the game. Uh, they were in perfect position at uh, oh, not perfect position because they didn't have the lead, but uh, they were that you couldn't have asked for. If I had said to Pagano and his staff on Saturday night, with 16 minutes to go, you're going to be down by six, uh, and you will have stopped the Patriots in the previous two uh, drives of the game, which they had done. They would have taken it in a minute. Right. So, you know, what they were thinking was just – Well, or they, they, they weren't. They clearly were not thinking, you know. Yeah. But, but, I, but really, I mean, if you, if you just think back on – you could find 10, 15 games in playoff history where more goofy things yeah, happened. that's than, right. That's uh, right. Or certainly more significant things happened. So well, I don't know I, what was going on with Peter, but apparently he was – was, uh, you know, he wasn't the only guy having brain locked their uh, – yeah, well, Andy. I guess the point here from all of us is just don't get lost in hyperbole. And, and what happened right. in Super Bowl Forty Nine? I mean, I think we all agree. That was brutal. I mean, you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. But here, as you mentioned, Ron, you're down by six in a game. I think they were going to lose anyway. So, yeah, it was a blunder. But the worst in 31 years? I mean, if, if Peter were here, I'd ask Aaron Rodgers <laughs> to sit down with him and tell him, well, Aaron, I'd have you tell him this. Five oh. letters here just for everybody out there in Packerland and yourself today. R E L A X. Relax. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> Goose man, that you gonna classic. be okay? Uh, I think I'm gonna be okay. Well, after the Michigan State game last Saturday, I'm flying high. Right. Hey, I, I'll give you a game, a dumber game, similar type of thing, middle of the season, not uh, a game as much. Hugh Millen spiking the ball on fourth down at the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Well, that's why Hugh Millen's not playing football. <laughs> also, the fact is about, what, or, 50 years Or old. how about this? How about some genius? Who, it's fourth and two. You're on your own 28-yard line with a six-point lead and 208 to play, and you decide to go for it. Okay. Down. Remember okay, that? Remember right. that play? Yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. Let's move yeah. this thing forward. Yeah, who won let's that go. game? That would be yeah. the Colts, baby. Yeah, let's Manning move it Whipping forward. up on Tommy Brady. Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's go. That's the signal that we're all, including Ron, about to get smarter here. Dr. Data, a.k.a. Rick Goslin, is here to tell us why Baltimore, Detroit, and Seattle are behind the eight ball. And surprise, it has nothing to do, from what I understand, Goose, with injuries, talent, or, can this be true? Bad officiating? No, has nothing to no do with sir. it. No, sir. No, sir. Those three teams all entered the NFL season with Super Bowl aspirations. All were playoff teams in 2014, and the Seahawks were the defending NFC champion. But their seasons were doomed before they ever left training camp. In fact, their seasons were doomed in April when the NFL schedule came out. That's when all three teams learned they would open the season with the first two games on the road. All opened the season 0-2, and it's been downhill from there for both the Lions and Ravens, who sit at 1-5 this week. The Seahawks are 2-3, looking up at two teams in the NFC West. A year ago, the Saints carried Super Bowl aspirations into the season after an 11-5 finish in 2013. But New Orleans also was scheduled to play its first two games on the road in 2014, lost them both, and went into a downward spiral that produced a 7-9 finish. 
If I was the NFL schedule maker, I'd assign every team one home game and one road game in the first two weekends. I wouldn't stack it. Giving a team two home games to start a season is an unfair advantage, just as giving a team two road games to open the season is an unfair disadvantage. Road teams win only 43% of the time in the NFL. So there's a much better chance a road warrior will return home the third week 0-2 rather than 2-0. So those three teams, they can blame the schedule makers. They never gave the Lions, Ravens, or Seahawks a chance this season. Got you. Sound like Jay Gruden. Windy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I got a two-part question for you, Los Lobos. Yes, sir. Unlike other sports, there is no real you know, field advantage on the road. It's not like quirky angles in the outfield and baseball or uh, different distances of the of the fences or, or width to length of ice arenas, no dead spots on the floor like at Boston Garden. So, what, A, why should it make such a difference uh, what fields you're on? And, B, more importantly, Patriots are 5-0 and and have already won three times on the road. So why doesn't this doesn't this apply to them? Okay, let's go back to Baltimore. The NFL sends them to Denver to open the season. They return home after the game, and the following weekend, they must fly to Oakland for the second game. Two cross-country flights in two weeks. That's your idea of fair scheduling? We both know how travel drains a person in our line of work, in any line of work for that matter. And with regards to your second, second question, if every team had Tom Brady a quarterback, it wouldn't matter where any of the games are played. Thank you. The 62 <laughs> Packers you. could have played you. all 14 games on the road, and they'd still have won the NFL championship. Hey, Goose, I wish you we're going to hit I the road. I wish you hadn't said Tom Brady. I really do wish you <laughs> yeah. hadn't said that. But Goose, go ahead. we're going to hit the road, and we're going to be successful doing it. When we return, Rick's going to tell us why Everson Walls deserves Hall of Fame consideration. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number. Just bring your own. See how it works? Go to grasshopper.com. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to cabbage.com, that's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. It's Lisa G here. Hey, I think you're all beautiful. I love you guys, and I'll bet a lot of you out there have acne. I feel your pain. It's embarrassing, and you're thinking, how on earth can I get rid of it, right? One word, proactive. I'm telling you, prescription-grade proactive heals your acne and even prevents future breakouts. How great is that? There's a reason why so many celebrities use proactive. Their faces are their money. It's time to get it because proactive has set up a special dedicated 800 number for my listeners. So get ready to punch that number into your phone. Pull over if you have to. Here's the deal. 1995 gets you proactive, plus a rotating deep cleansing brush. It's valued at $45, and it's yours free. So is the shipping. For only 1995, you, my friends, are guaranteed to get clear and stay clear, or you'll get your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call for a lifetime of beautiful skin. Tell them Lisa G sent you. Call 1-800-644-5944. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive-thru at breakfast. Morning, welcome to Burger King. Let me get a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich. Sure, right now they're two for four dollars, but is that how you say that? Yeah, croissant sandwich. Where I'm from, we say croissant sandwich. Try that. Croissant sandwich! Oh, that took you two seconds. Took me years of practice. 
I'm not you. Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just $4, only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. Your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't? Go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis, and within minutes, you can download software to clean what's slowing down your personal computer. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. Guys, in keeping with the political climate, I know we had our debates last week, but I see where the NFL now is going to launch a series of town halls in St. Louis, San Diego, and Oakland, I guess to answer concerned ticket holders' questions about their soon-to-be-relocated teams. Now, I think you'd think that would probably include Commissioner Roger Goodell, right? But I noticed that the release said that it would be someone from his staff, which I guess could include just about anybody, including Roger. So uh, what's the purpose of this? I forgot the league office. Have Stan Kroenke sit in on the St. Louis meeting, yeah. Mark <laughs> Davis, the Oakland meeting, and Alex Spanos, the San Diego meeting. How about Those, Dean Spanos? Uh, Dean's, good point, Dean Spanos. Those are the guys moving the teams, not Roger Goodell or, quote-unquote, someone from his staff. I've been, if, if I'm spending a chunk of my ch- paycheck for the last 15 years for a season ticket to see the Rams play, I want to hear Stan Kroenke tell me why he's leaving, not Roger Goodell. Well, guys, you know what this is. This is your typical PR spin by the NFL in towns no. where disloyal owners are, are no. still trying to sell tickets and T-shirts <laughs> and all that, and and they want to salvage the future if in case they get uh, can't get out of Dodge. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and there's always the inevitable lawsuits, and this way they can say, well, look, you know, we did all we could. We came to town. We talked to the people. Blah 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 blah. Forget about it. This is a criminal endeavor. Uh, and uh, they're going to put a good PR face on it, which is fine. Well, my guess, Ron, is that uh, you won't be attending these town halls? I think probably not. Yeah, the same probably. with me. That's a New England thing, by the way, town hall meetings. Yeah, it what is. Doing in Missouri, it, you know? It is, uh, but they're not going to relive. Guys like yourself, papers. now living in Connecticut with hard working hands, with whatever they have. You know, I'm closer to Tom Brady. I feel great. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm not going to beat those town halls, Ron. But I would like to be there when they throw the next birthday party. And we have plenty of them coming up this week. God, I like that band. They're pretty good. On Wednesday, October 21st, former cornerback Elvis Patterson. Yes, Elvis, often called the Toast because he was beaten so often. He turns 55. One day later on October 22nd, one of my favorite guys, former linebacker Keena Turner and Goose. I think he took you on a tour of Levi Stadium, correct? Yes, sir. Is that Tina Turner? Keena. Keena. Oh, Keena Turner. K. Yeah. Goose wishes it were Tina. It's Keena Turner. He turns 57. <laughs> On October 23rd, friend of the show, Doug Flutie, an author of one of the great, great endings in college football history, turns 53. And one of the best left tackles not in the hall, Winston Hill, the New York Jets, turns 74. And on Saturday, October 24th, one of my favorite guys, actually in San Diego, former linebacker Jim Laslovic, now a successful broadcaster in the area and a guest at our table whenever we go to Lil Piggy's Barbecue in Coronado, where Jim lives. He turns 64, one of the nicest guys around. Former quarterback, Yelberton Abraham Tittle. Why Tittle turns 89. Clark, I want to wish happy 66th birthday to a true sporting legend, Dan Gable, the greatest wrestler Ooh. ever produced by America. He went 64-0 in high school to win three Iowa State titles. 
then went 181-1 and in college Iowa State to capture two national titles. The only match he lost in his high school and college careers was the final match as a senior in the NCAA final. He then went on to win a gold medal at the 1972 Olympics. A legend. Goose, that's a good one. Did you ever see a documentary on him? Man, yes, he looked like he was about half sane. Not unlike Clark. <laughs> he was. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Goose, speaking of those Olympics, did you, you remember the Russians launched a, a, a nationwide or a countrywide search on uh, trying to find somebody who could beat Dan Gable in those Olympics? Yep. Yep. And they thought and they couldn't. had him, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, <laughs> Ronnie. Good. All right. Uh, for, well, for me, it's, it's actually fitting this week on October 21st is the birthday of Chuck Pagano's favorite musician, Dizzy Gillespie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dizzy was playing at Pagano's head when he ran that fake punt last Sunday. <laughs> That's right. Dizzy Gillespie. <laughs> well, that would be Dizzy Chuck Pagano, too, on that idea. <laughs> hey, congratulations to everyone on making it to another year. And speaking of another year, Goose, it's always another year without Everson Walls. On the Hall of Fame ballot, I'm talking about semifinalists, finalists. I know you're pretty strong on the guy, and not just because he played with the Dallas Cowboys. So Honk. if you can, yeah, <laughs> if you can, thank you, Ron. I'd like you to recite what you wrote earlier this week on our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, and that's why Everson Walls deserves at least to be in the Hall of Fame conversation. Yeah, Walls was never supposed to be part of any Hall of Fame discussion. Not when 54 defensive backs are selected in your draft class, and you're not one of them. That was 1981 when 28 teams claimed 332 players over 12 rounds, and Walls wasn't included. His Grambling Tigers went 10-2 that season, and Walls led the nation with 11 interceptions. Yet there was only one player from Grambling drafted that year, and it wasn't Walls. But it's inexcusable that 34 years later, Walls has never been a part of any Hall of Fame discussion. Walls rose from his humble beginnings to play 13 seasons in the NFL and intercept 57 passes. Only 12 players in history intercepted more passes, including only five pure cornerbacks. Yet Walls has never been a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame, much less a finalist. He's from Dallas, so after college he signed on as an undrafted uh, college free agent with his hometown team. Not only did he make the team... But by the fifth game, he was starting. He intercepted 11 passes that year to lead the NFL and earned the first of his four Pro Bowl burrs. He led again in the strike short in 1982 season with seven picks and again in 85 with nine thefts. He's the only cornerback in history to lead the league in interceptions three times. The only other player at any position to do it was Ed Reed, a safety. Yet Wallace has never been considered for the Hall of Fame. The only neck on his resume may be the fact he was the defender against Dwight Clark in the catch. But one game is not a measure of a Hall of Fame, nor is one play. Greatness is measured over career. It's way past time for Everson Walls to be measured. So, Goose, uh, this is interesting numbers as always. So how do we explain this odd career of Everson Walls? First off, who's representing the Dallas Cowboys in the Hall of Fame committee? I guess I'd wonder, number one. And number two, is this a case of finding the real he-hate-me? It's all about the caliber competition. Remember, back then, the NFL was still clinging to the perception that African Americans could not play quarterback in the NFL. Now, Walsh played in a swack where he was going against a black quarterback every week, so there was some skepticism about his ability and his accomplishments. His play in the NFL helped open the doors for swack corners in the future who followed him. Albert Lewis, Sonnyus Williams, Isaac Holt, and Ashley Ambrose. Caliber of competition, Ron. 
Well, that sound means uh, we're almost out of time, but it also means Rick Goslin, yes, Goose, is taking over the play calling for the two-minute drill, while our producer, Derek Burns, is in charge of the clock. And Derek, one request, please, please do a better job with the time than NFL stadium operators. Okay, Goose, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> do you think Jim Harbaugh misses his Pro Bowl punter at San Francisco, Andy Lee, yet? Only when he plays Sparty. I think he misses Mel's on Van Ness more. <laughs> Peyton Manning's career high for interceptions is 28. Does he get there again this season? The way he's playing, Goose, he might get there in two weeks. Well, you guys know I'm number guy, and according to my advanced Borges metrics, he's averaging 1.66 picks per game. That means he'll come up one and a half picks short. Is Dan Campbell Miami's best coach since Shula? Nope. He's the best coach since Larry Coker. If he stops now, he's got a better winning percentage. Tom Landry, Landry Jones, or Tom Jones? Burt Jones. Greg Landry, UMass's all-time great. Has Josh McDaniels rebuilt his stock to a point he's a head coaching candidate again? Not unless he takes his quarterback with him, and I'm not talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I have to say I agree. That's painful, but I agree with uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> that too. is painful. Mini-me. <laughs> The Saints made a change at kicker this week. Are special teams the problem in New Orleans? Nope. nope. Each and talent are. Too much of one, not enough of the other. Special teams not the problem. The rest of the team is the problem. <laughs> the fan Pro Bowl voting begins this week. Any tips for the voters? Yep. Don't vote for Greg Hardy. <laughs> vote for Greg Hardy, one of the great pass rushers of all time and a personal friend of the Gooser. <laughs> Philip Rivers has a 500-yard passing game, a 400-yard game, and two 300-yard games thus far. Is Peyton Manning's single-season record 5,400 passing yards in jeopardy? Well, seeing that San Diego runs about as often as Ron meditates, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, My advanced metrics tell me no, but my eyes tell me the playoffs are in jeopardy for Philip Rivers. Put on your home offense thinking caps. Who is the greatest blocker of all time? That would be Dan Blocker, a.k.a. Hoss Cartwright, son of Ben, brother of Little Joe. <laughs> Excellent. Jim Parker made All-Pro 10 times in 11 years at two positions. First tackle, then guard. Who tops that? What's been the single most devastating injury this season? Deflategate. <laughs> From the Patriots' perspective, Geno Smith. The Jets would be 1-4 and four if he was still around. If you're Pat Hayden, who would you hire as your next coach at Southern Cal? Jim Harbaugh. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's disrespectful. So, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> a search committee, committee so he doesn't blow this thing for third time running. Well, that's the end of our first hour, but don't go away. We'll have the Cowboys Charlotte, Jones, Anderson, Mike Reese of ESPN.com, and our salutes to a couple of historical events coming up in the next hour. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at Motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. 
Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Hey, Ron, quick question for you. How do you capture that flaky, yeah, bad, buttery lightness of your favorite sandwich? Okay, Ron, all together now by saying cross sandwich. sandwich. That's right. You can get two now for only $4. Where? At Burger King. But, Ron, restrictions apply. Hey, Not welcome to me, baby. Back. That's right. <laughs> welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. I'm Clark along with Rick and Ron. That's Ron over there eating a cross sandwich. And soon we'll be joined by the Dallas Cowboys Charlotte Jones, Anderson, as we continue our salute to women in the NFL as part of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And also, we're going to have ESPN.com's Mike Reese, who covers the New England Patriots and who just released a book on former Patriot Troy Brown. But first, guys, want to conduct a brief history class. Ron, uh, you may remember some of these events as an eyewitness or maybe a participant. I don't know. You can tell me. But did you know that Monday, October 26th, is the 134th anniversary of the shootout at the OK Corral? True. Yes, a lock and load, baby. That's, that's right. And it happened in Tombstone, Arizona, when Wyatt Earp, two of his brothers, that would be Virgil Morgan, and Doc Holliday, and Ron, if I'm not mistaken, you might have been there as well. I was. I was in the you, background. You, but. you guys ran into members of the Clanton-McLowry gang in about 30 Hated seconds. those guys. Oh, I Clanton. know you did. But you settled your differences in that vacant lot behind the OK Corral, which is another way of saying uh, the Earps and you, Ron, you guys won. The good guys has won. So as you know... The shootout was immortalized in several movies, including Gunfight at the OK Corral. Great and it movie. got me great movie. And it got me to thinking, Ron, were you in that movie too? Um, it got <laughs> me to thinking that we should immortalize our own shootouts, NFL style, which you might call our Hall of Fame of shootouts. And I'll begin with one of my favorite guys, 1982 shootout between San Diego, my Chargers, and San Francisco, my 49ers in the strike year. It was bombs away in an era when 300 yard games weren't really commonplace. And it featured two of the game's best Hall of Famers, Joe Montana, Dan Fouts. Fouts threw for 444 yards. Montana, 356. Chargers won, 41-37. All you need to know about that game, guys, is this. There were two punts, one by Maury Buford, one by Jim Miller. They were on the first series of the game, and there were three Chargers. Kellen Winslow, Charlie Joyner, and Wes Chandler, two of them, Winslow and Joyner, in the Hall of Fame. They had 100 yards receiving each. Great game. Clark, let me take you back to your wheelhouse. Baltimore, 1972. Joe Namath and the Jets visit Joe oh, Unitas and the Colts. I remember. Unitas throws for 376 yards and two touchdowns. A great game, yep. but not great enough. Namath passes for 496 yards and six touchdowns on 15 completions for a 44-34 victory. Just two Western PA boys slinging it around. Yeah, Namath's I didn't include that. To, Namath's I didn't include that Rich, game, Goose, because the Colts lost. That's why I didn't include it. <laughs> Namath's tight end, Rich Castor, caught six passes for 240 yards and three touchdowns. Ever see Gronk do that, Ron? (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to give you a game that you've all forgotten. November 13, 1994. Patriots down 20-3 at halftime, 3-6 on the season after being 5-11 the year before. It's almost the end of halftime. The players are all waiting. Bill Parcells has not come in. They think maybe he's quit. All of a sudden, bang! Door slams open. Parcells walks in. Room goes silent, and he says, how much longer are you going to F and take it? Walks out. That's all he said to him. Drew Bledsoe comes out in the second half. 
He ends up going 45 for 70 for 426 yards and three touchdowns, including the game winner in overtime to Kevin Turner, beating future Hall of Famer Warren Moon, who passed for 349 yards and a touchdown. That's 775 uh, altogether. Do the math. They go on to win seven straight games, and two years later they're in the Super Bowl. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a Patriots homer, Ron Borges. <laughs> that so was one sw- exciting ball game, my friend. Well, let's switch subjects now and centuries, guys, and fast forward to October 25th, 1945. Ring a bell? Should. The date the UN was founded, the United Nations. Now, not a math major, but even I can figure out that means we're observing, hmm, 75th anniversary of the UN. So let's now celebrate it. With That's your, your advanced fav- metric right there. That's right. I got that Dartmouth College, yeah. So let's celebrate that with your favorite NFL players born outside the U.S. Goose? Guys, I'm tempted to say former Spartan great Tony Mandarich, but let's not go there today. Yeah. He's from Ontario, but I will stay in the province and go with Hall of Famer Bronco Nagurski from Rainy River. That's in southwestern, uh, most tip of Ontario along the Minnesota border. He was a charter enshrining to the hall and played fullback when fullback was an impact position. A five-time NFL uh, selection is nine seasons. Go ahead, Ron. Top someone named Bronco. That's a good one. i got to say Rainy River, Ontario. I love it. But my great and good friend, kick him in the head, Ted. <laughs> Teddy Hendricks, born in Guatemala City, Guatemala, where his dad was working and was married to a, a Guatemalan woman. <laughs> he came into the United States when he was five years old, became one of the most destructive forces in football history, 25 block kicks, 26 interceptions, 10 fumble recoveries, four safeties, 75th anniversary team, four Super Bowl wins, three with the Raiders. Okay, well, I was going to mention Darren Bennett, but I won't. I'm going to mention that that's it for our history lesson. Up next, Charlotte Jones-Anderson, daughter of Dallas owner Jerry Jones and one of the best and brightest executives in the NFL. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this Paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's WIX.com. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS consumeraccess.org number 3030. 
Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number, or bring your own. See how it works? Go to grasshopper.com. And our next guest is one of the highest-profile women in the NFL, Charlotte Jones Anderson, an executive vice president of the Dallas Cowboys and the chief brand officer of the most valuable sports franchise in the world. Charlotte graduated from Stanford in 1988, went right to work in the NFL in 1989 when her father, Jerry Jones, bought the Dallas Cowboys. She played a prominent role in the design and presentation of AT&T Stadium, the country's first billion-dollar facility, and is now working on the design of the franchise's new world headquarters in suburban Frisco. 2012, Charlotte was named chairperson of the NFL Foundation, which spearheads youth participation in football. And in 2014, she was appointed to the league's first conduct committee. Charlotte Jones-Anderson, thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure, Sean. Hey, how difficult has it been as the daughter of one of the highest profile owners in all the sports trying to carve out a path for yourself in both the NFL and corporate America? Well, as you can imagine, um, Jerry cast quite a large shadow, but you know he also cast a huge opportunity for so many of us, but particularly for me, because you know my dad never saw gender growing up, and he always pushed me and believed that I could be president of the United States one day if I really wanted to. And you know, I never dreamed that I would ever be in the family business. Our, our family business was was oil and gas, so that was not exactly my mission coming out of school. And then all of a sudden, he turns around and he buys the Cowboys. And then he asked me while I was in D.C. to to come down and, and help him out. And when I got down here, you know, the only thing that he said is, I just want to be around people that I can trust that will lay awake at night trying to figure out how to solve the problem and how to help us stop this leaky machine and really turn it around because Rick you may remember this at that time you know the Cowboys were 3 and 13 and they were losing $75,000 a day which is over a million dollars a month and you know it just really wasn't optimistic around here and I think with that uh, really gave me a lot of opportunity to you know to try and to fail and to step back up and, and to try again and you know when I walked in here my first day I you know I looked at my dad and I said well you know where do you want me to where do you want me to start? What do you want me to do? And he just looked at me and he said, you know, find a way to stop losing money and whatever you do, <laughs> don't tarnish the star. You know, and I don't think I saw him again for months. So, <laughs> so you know, that's, that's a pretty um, broad call to action. And I, I just have, you know, tried to take advantage of every opportunity that's been presented. Stop losing money. That's what they teach at Harvard Business School, too. I think that's the basic thing, right? Stop losing money. You know, money. it's actually, it's funny because I wanted to go to business school, and I really wanted to go to Harvard Business School, and my dad would tell me every day, he said, you know, you're getting your Harvard degree right here in this if you can just figure out how to make it work. I think the truth of the matter is he'd spent all his money on the Cowboys, and he couldn't afford to send me to <laughs> There you go. Uh, you know, as a member of the Conduct Committee and also a chairperson of the NFL Foundation, you're kind of at the center of two real hot-button issues here. Uh, so let's start with your work with the NFL Foundation. Is the concussion issue the major obstacle you face in trying to increase youth participation in football again? Well, I will say this. Our work at the NFL 
Foundation is, is a bit broader than that, but we are certainly dedicated to improving the health and safety of, of sports and, and for youth football and, and the communities that we live in. Just as it is a goal of us on the Player Health and Safety Committee for the league to evaluate our game and make changes that make our game safer for our own players, we really aim to do that uh, through the foundation at the youth level as well. And while concussions are certainly a primary focus and a very serious issue, and it's really imperative that we address the techniques of the game, the knowledge and the skill of the coaches uh, at the youth level, and then the education around sports safety in general. And I think that's why you saw us step up and, and give a $45 million grant to USA Football. Their Heads Up Football program that uh, we fund is so incredibly critical to what we are doing. And what it basically does is educate coaches and players and, quite frankly, parents on proper tackling techniques that take the head out of the game, which is where you see most of your injury and most of your incident. It requires that coaches be certified. So, Goose, you wouldn't, requ- you wouldn't be a coach in, in the youth league anymore. They won't just take anybody. And it, it educates parents. And, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach parents how to properly fit equipment on their kids because sometimes they don't get that actually in the practice. We're trying to teach them and coaches uh, not only if equipment is safe, but how to identify when it's not, and then to recognize really critical safety protocols in and around identifying con- concussions, but also heat exhaustion and and sudden cardiac arrest. I think that gets overlooked a lot of the times. We're with the Cowboys, Charlotte Jones-Anderson on the Talk of Fame Network, and Charlotte following Ron's question about the NFL Foundation Conduct Committee, which I mentioned earlier, is that's also another high-profile position because of all the league's off-the-field issues. You're involved with endorsing and enhancing the league's personal conduct policy for all players and employers in the NFL. So my question is this. How difficult is it to establish a protocol that can be understood and enforced? Because it seems to me like that's sort of like trying to rewrite the tax code. <laughs> well, you're probably right on that assessment of it. But, you know, I we really believe that it is a privilege and not a right to get to work and coach and play, not only for the Cowboys, but for the entire NFL. And with that, we believe, and, and it's actually expected, that we hold ourselves to a higher standard. And that's not just our players, but it's us as as owners and as coaches and employees of the league that uh, we all agree on that. We agree on that as owners, and we agree on that as those of us who have the opportunity to get to be involved. Uh, The bigger challenge, as you stated, comes in how we do it. And, you know, like a lot of other great organizations, you you see codes of conduct in place and core values and principles. Um, and that's that's kind of standard procedure. But for us, we have taken what we've done in the past and we have really reevaluated that. Um, we've addressed the values that we think are most significant and all of the policies that we think um, are very important to us. And then we've actually put teeth into them so that we can uphold those. 
Um, I think it's important to, to recognize that as part of the committee, it, it is not our job to investigate or to adjudicate, um, but it is our job to recognize that we needed experts at the league level that could do that job. Uh, that's where you saw this past year of the hiring of Lisa Friel uh, and Todd Jones. Those are, those are great examples of recognizing that someone needs to, to have the skill and the talent to be able to do that. Um, in addition to that, you know, we, we don't rehabilitate either uh, as part of the conduct committee, but we have to make sure that we have people who can and resources that we can offer our players and our employees so that if they need them or they have acquaintances who need them in their family, that, that we provide that to them in order to be successful. But we also know, you know, that this, this is not just a kind of a one-and-done deal. This is something that will be an ongoing evaluation for us at the league level, certainly at our own club level, as, as we work through all these issues. Charlotte, the Cowboys stepped into that very spotlight with the signing of Greg Hardy this offseason. Now, I know, how, I know how tight your family is and the respect you have for each other's opinion. How much input did you have in the decision to sign Hardy? Well, you know, um, actually, I, I was involved in that, and I was, um, had the opportunity to express my opinion and my concerns. Uh, we all did from an organizational level and from a family level, um, from all aspects of it. I will say this. this is, he was probably the most um, researched, and we performed the most due diligence on any player that I can recall in my lifetime of working here, uh, interviewing people who had worked with him, who, who knew him from, from back in high school to through his days of his professional career, uh, so that we could decide if this is someone that we wanted to take our chance on, and if so, that once he had completed his, his program and his, his redemption through the, the sentencing through the league, that once he had served that, that uh, would he be prepared to come and join our team? So, uh, you know, a lot of that was taken into to consideration. Um, you know, from, from my personal perspective, uh, you know, my involvement really came on the behavioral side and the social issue involved. And, you know, I'll, I'll just be very clear in saying this. Domestic violence is something we take extremely seriously. And we have been involved in supporting awareness and prevention of domestic violence for many years uh, through the Salvation Army and uh, the Family Place and, and also the Gatehouse here in, in Texas. And I have always really believed that we have a unique ability uh, with the Cowboys and probably with the league itself to, to use the visibility and the interest that surrounds us and our team and our league and to take that interest and to make a significant Significant impact on social issues that affect us. Um, I think that's why the creation of, of Thanksgiving Day and our Salvation Army um, kickoff that we have had for almost uh, well 19 years uh, has has been so successful. That you know we have a moral responsibility to do something with the visibility that that we enjoy, and I, I think this is an opportunity for us to do something in this space as well. You know, I, I, I'm assuming there's a big difference, as there is with most people, between the private Jerry Jones and the public Jerry Jones that, that Goose drives crazy. And he's been heavily criticized locally for a lot of different things uh, and nationally as well. I'm just wanting to ask both an employee uh, and the daughter of Jerry Jones, how difficult or hurtful has it been for you to hear criticism directly of, of your dad? You know, I, I think that's probably been the the hardest part of my job. Um, it has certainly been the hardest part of 
of being uh, his daughter. Um, it's hard for our children. It's you know, it's it's personally hard on all of us to hear any criticism. I, I think we all um, say we appreciate criticism and and we'll take that constructively. But uh, deep down, it, it you know it hurts. And and I think um, he has always been one who will be the one to cheer everybody up and say, you know, this is just part of that character building process that, that we all go through. And, you know, sometimes, quite frankly, I just want to say, I've had enough of building this character. <laughs> you know, can, can we not just move on from this? And, and I, I think, um, you know, this, uh, you know, he's, he's got a great quote that we all laugh about behind closed doors, and it, it actually comes from the Godfather, and he just says, this is the life we've chosen. <laughs> well, Charlotte, we are going to have to move on. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but uh, thank you so much. Uh, I want to congratulate you because you're part of the first ever triple play at the Talk of Fame Network going from Jerry to Stephen <laughs> to you. <laughs> so thanks again, and best of luck getting to another Super Bowl as well as other landmark events at AT&T Stadium, and best of luck with that presidential campaign if you ever get one. We'll vote for it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. For sure. Okay, you take care, guys. Thanks, Thanks Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Charlotte Jones-Anderson of the Dallas Cowboys. Up next, the curious case of San Diego tight end Antonio Gates. This is the Talk of Fame Network. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com. The Entrepreneur's Phone System. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at SimpleGreen.com. Only Wendy's makes a deal feel like a meal. Introducing the new 4 for 4. Four bucks for the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger with freshly cooked Applewood smoked bacon, four all-white meat nuggets, and natural cut sea salt fries and drink. That's right, just four bucks for a Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, nuggets, fries, and a drink. That's one beefy, cheesy, sizzling, crispy, icy deal. Get more. Get four for four. Now at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and drink at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Football fans, get your lux on and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first string shows like Fantasy, the strip's sexiest adult review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat panel TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. Your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't? Just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis, and within minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing down your PC. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com.
We're also brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products, great people, and great prices. That's Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Guys, as you know, San Diego tight end Antonio Gates returned to the field two games ago after a four-game suspension for PEDs. And he's made a pretty immediate comeback and impact. And looks good. He just simply looks good. He's got 18 catches, two touchdowns, just two games. So people say, you know, this guy's a future Hall of Famer. I've heard more than one announcer refer to him that as that. And, and I don't really want to go there because, Goose, I know it drives you crazy. But uh, what I do want to know is this. When I canvassed uh, Hall of Fame selectors, people on that uh, board with us, after suspension, I asked them if their support or their opinion of Gates or their support for Gates would be affected by his suspension. And really, to a man and a woman, I mean, not one of them said it would. So the two of you I know are Hall of Fame baseball writers who vote on Cooperstown candidates. Here's my question. Why do Major League Baseball voters take such a different and harder approach with PEDs when it comes to the Hall than pro football Hall of Fame selectors. I mean, I think the PED controversy is all but buried. Barry Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, Mark McGuire. I mean, you could go on and on, probably A-Rod when he retires. But when I polled these voters, Hall of Fame voters for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, on Antonio Gates, they weren't concerned. Why? Well, you're, you're dealing with some very high-profile players in baseball, players whose names are littered throughout the sports record book. A Antonio Gates and Rodney Harrison are the maybe two of the highest profile football players suspended for PEDs, and these guys aren't on the same level as a Bonds or a Clemens. Now, Ron, maybe you can remember, I, I don't believe we've ever had a player among the final 15 with a PED issue. Uh, the voters have already spoken in baseball. Those guys have been on the ballot. They haven't spoken in football. We'll see how Gates and Harrison play out. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that uh, thus far. I don't believe we have, at least not as far as we know. But the other problem, and to me the larger problem of this uh, as it relates to baseball, is baseball writers for many decades lived in Egypt, or at least along denial. Uh, <laughs> you know, they used to sit around mocking football players or football writers, you know, claiming ah, they're all on the you know, PADs and you, you do nothing about it, uh, and claiming that uh, you know, it would never do any uh, good to a baseball player. Baseball players would never use it. Of course, they found out they were all juicing their heads off. You know, the other thing, as you guys know, as voters, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame Constitution, it specifically says consider only what they did on the field, not in the pharmacy. So baseball has a morals clause. Football has a reality clause. Is the word pharmacy in there, Ron? I didn't see that. I, I must have missed that. <laughs> hey, Rick, as you know, uh, uh, remember earlier this year, Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp, he was highly critical of Gates. He's saying, and well, he said the suspension put his entire career under, under suspicion, and in fact, what he said is, quote, calls into question everything he accomplished, unquote. And he hasn't backed off those comments. Was he on to something or is he off base? Well, I think Sharp is protecting his own legacy, which is his right. He's saying that uh, his stats and accomplishments were achieved the natural way without any performance enhancers. The fact that Gates was suspended does cloud some what he's done. How long had he been doing them? How much did they enhance his career? I don't think we have the answers to that. I don't have a problem with what Sharp had to say. It was his choice to speak, just as it was Gates' choice to take the banned substance. No, I agree. I mean, I, look, I understand why he's angry if he played clean. But unfortunately, who knows? You know, who knows? That's right. You know, but Sharp's point is, uh, if he's running on regular and Antonio Gates is on high test, is it still a fair race? The answer is no. no. Uh, but, you know, suspicion is hard for me here because who in their right mind, and we all have done it, spends five minutes in an NFL locker room and says, oh, there's some normal guys just eat a lot of 
uh, protein. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Well, then, Ron, <laughs> since you asked that or brought that up, um, let me ask both of you this. I mean, I didn't poll either one of you when I wrote that story, so I'll poll you right now. Um, does Gates' suspension affect how you'd view him if and when he comes up for election? If you're still there, and if I'm still there when he comes up, and he will come up for election. I mean, he has the numbers to make the Hall of Fame, guys. He's uh, one of only two tight ends with over 100 TDs, and he's closing in on leader Tony Gonzalez. So he's there. He's going to be in the conversation. But would this make you think twice about him, Goose? Well, Clark, remember, this committee doesn't look fondly on tight ends with or without PEDs. There are only eight tight ends in the history of the NFL enshrined, and in today's game, these passing stats are all inflated. So I don't want to hear that Antonio Gates was better tight end than Mike Ditka or John Mackey or Callan Winslow simply because he had better stats. There's a bigger debate here than the PEDs. Well, I agree with that, but for me, the answer is no, Clark, because, you know, frankly, I, I assume they're all juicing and have all been juicing. Uh, uh, since the invention of juice, whenever that was. <laughs> By the East Germans, I'm sure they're the ones who did it. Uh, you're and, talking and, about and, the birth date of O.J. Simpson? Is yeah, yeah. and the ones who aren't juicing, they're, spin, they're, doing, they're spinning their blood or cooking up their platelets or they're doing something. You know, uh, Look, the days of the Whedon Iceman, you know, Red Grange, getting in shape. You remember Red Grange? Uh, <laughs> you know, getting in shape by carrying the blocks of ice all over. But I would just say this to you, back to the original point of this. Imagine Jim Brown on HGH. They couldn't tackle him on steak and potatoes. <laughs> well, let's go one step farther here, guys. I mentioned you're both Hall of Fame baseball voters, which you are. Uh, I also said how tough writers were on guys like Bonds, Clemens, Palmero, and as I said, probably A-Rod when he comes up. Barry Bonds, would you vote for him? Yeah, I voted for Bonds already. I saw him play in the 1980s and early 90s when he was just a whippet. He was 6'1", 185, and a great player. He was a complete player before he became the Incredible Hulk. I, I think he would have earned a spot in Cooperstown with or without PEDs. Yeah, I mean, Goose is right about that. If you saw him then, that's the shame of it all. You know, uh, he was already a, a, a guy that most people thought was going to be in the Hall of Fame. But jealousy uh, and, you know, concerns over Sammy Sosa and, and, and Mark McGuire led him to do something. He went Pagano on himself. <laughs> Simple as that. How about A-Rod, Goose? Uh... Same. He was a great player in Seattle before he admitted to using the PEDs in Texas. You know, I, I think talent like his winds up in Cooperstown. Ronnie? I would be forced to hold my nose uh, and vote for him because I saw him play uh, under pressure and not do that well. But the guy was a great player. Well, there's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that should keep our next guest out of the hall. Because he has a lifetime pass there. I'm talking about our own Ron Borges, <laughs> who is here with Borges or... Bogus. That's right, with Ron telling us why he doesn't necessarily buy what Gruden is selling. That would be Jay Gruden. Well, Jay Gruden says it was, quote, uh, too windy, unquote, for his quarterback, Kirk Cousins, not friend of the show, but friend of Goose's, uh, to play well enough to win last Sunday. What's he going to do when it snows out? Call off the game? Bogus. Gruden has no problems heavily criticizing Robert Griffin III, who he clearly never hit it off with when he was the Raiders starting quarterback, uh, the Redskins starting quarterback. Fair enough. Griffin hasn't played well since uh, Shanahan sacrificed him on the altar of playoff football several years ago, and he has to live with that. But continuing to keep Griffin inactive while arguing that Kirk Cousins gives his team the best chance to win is simply bogus. Griffin is 14-21 as a starter, a winning percentage of 400%. 
or 0.40. That's the yeah. There you go. Those metrics don't seem to work yeah, today. Yeah, well, do advanced they? metrics for me, right? <laughs> Not very good. We know that. Cousins is four and eleven, a winning percentage of twenty six point six percent. I'm no mathematician, but that seems like a lot worse chance to win. Griffin's thrown twenty three interceptions in his career, while Cousins has thrown twenty seven, despite having also thrown four hundred twenty eight fewer passes than Griffin. That seems like a worse chance to win to me. In three years. RG3 threw 40 touchdown passes before taking a seat. Cousins, uh, in four years, has thrown 24. Best chance to win what? Griffin has a career quarterback rating of 90.6, 40 touchdown passes, 23 picks. Cousins, 77.5 QB rating, 24 touchdowns, 27 picks. Cousins also has had 10 multiple interceptions games in his career, in which he started less than half often as Griffin, who has four. Washington is 0-10 in those cousin multi-interception games. What was that about best chance to win again? Quote, I have all the confidence in the world still in Kirk, Jay Gruden said on Monday. Well, if he does, that is bogus. Not to mention ridiculous. Ron, do you think this is Gruden's call or do you think the decision is coming from above him? I think it's Gruden's call. I really do. Uh, because, frankly, the owner loves uh, RG3. Right. Uh, you, you know, so I, I, I don't get it, but clearly he had, I don't want to say he had it in for RG3 from the start, but he was going to make his bones as I'm the boss off RG3, uh, and now he's got a guy in there who can't play. Hey, Ron, doesn't this really have more to do with leadership than it does with statistics? I mean, you quote the stats, but it seems to me it has more to do with RG3 not really putting in the time that they think is necessary. Well, that's what some people say. Uh, I understand that, and I'm not there in in the locker room to know. But I know that Kirk Cousins couldn't lead the Spartan band, let alone the Redskins to victory. <laughs> so, you know, at some point you got to put the other guy in. <laughs> oh, quit knocking that Spartan band, would you please? We're not going to put the other guy in. We're going to a commercial when we return. It's Mike Reese of ESPN.com. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLS consumer access. Number 3030. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive through at breakfast. Good morning. Welcome to Burger King. Hey, Sweet Pea, uh, I'm going to get the two for $4 bacon, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich. Dude. Oh, I've never heard that before. What, Sweet Pea? No, the way you pronounce croissant sandwich. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my, you love it, or oh, my, just give me my breakfast. Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two croissant breakfast sandwiches for just $4, only at Burger King. And try them with our smooth roast, Seattle's best coffee. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. It's Lisa G here. Do you freak out every time you break out? Well, I've got one word for you, proactive. There's a huge reason proactive is the number one acne treatment in the country. It totally works. Prescription-grade proactive heals your acne, even prevents future breakouts. How great is that? There's a reason why so many celebrities use proactive. Their faces are their money. And I'm telling you, it's time to get it because proactive has set up a special dedicated 800 number for my listeners. So get ready to punch that number into your phone. 
phone, pull over if you got to. Here's the deal. 1995 gets you proactive, plus a rotating deep cleansing brush. It's valued at $45, but it's yours free. So is the shipping. For only 1995, you, my friends, are guaranteed to get clear and stay clear, or you'll get your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call for a lifetime of beautiful skin. Tell them Lisa G. sent you. Call 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number. Just bring your own. Want to see how it works? I know I do. Just go to grasshopper.com. A week ago, we addressed this year's morality plays, you might remember. It was the Colts versus Patriots. And now we're going to address someone who was smack dab in the middle of that fray, and that's Mike Reese of ESPN.com. Mike not only covers the Patriots, he just wrote a book on former Patriot jack-of-all-trades, Troy Brown. It's called Patriot Pride, and it's in your local bookstore, or you can find it on Kindle. And today, Mike, well, Mike's going to be talking about both of those subjects with us. Mike, it's Clark, Rick, and Ron, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really uh, respect and appreciate you guys as people in the business that I always looked up to and as the right way to do it. You looked up to Ron Borges? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just had to teach him to stop saying that he'd been reading me all, by, all his life. I wanted to <laughs> joke him. Hey, Mike, first things first. I, I mentioned you were in the middle of Deflategate this year covering that story as Ron did. Did you have to introduce yourself to your family after Judge Berman came to the rescue? Oh, man, that was a, that was a tough one. Uh, really didn't have an off-season with that story. So, um, and, and I would say that the, probably the joke that I've, I've told a lot uh, over the last seven months is I probably read more this year in terms of all those briefs and everything that was filed in the Wells Report than I have since I graduated college in the mid-'90s. Hey, Mike, when I covered the Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones Cowboys in the 90s as a beat writer, I believe there was a story in that building every day, and it was my job to find it. What's your approach on the Patriots? Well, the same thing, Goose. That's a, you know, and I think the one thing that has maybe changed a little bit in today's media landscape is, you know, those stories can come from anywhere. And so the first thing is, like, stories come out in various outlets and from various sources. And so the first thing is just trying to verify a story. Like, yeah. is you chase a lot of ghosts these days because... How many times have we seen stories come out and you find out, well, that's not really what it is? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is not just even, you know, reporting the story or finding out the story, but explaining what it means, sort of the context of the story these days, because that, that seems more important than ever because there seems like there's more things to consume these days than ever before. Well, you're right about that, Mike. You know, back in my day, the only thing I was chasing was Ghost to the Post. So it's a little bit different now. <laughs> uh, but you chose uh, as a subject for your for your book Troy Brown, title of the book Patriot Pride, and certainly he exemplifies that. Interesting sort of choice. Not a superstar guy, you know, not the Tom Brady book that the fifteen people will will do. The guy was cut four or five times, made one Pro Bowl, took seven years to become a starter, ended up playing fifteen years and playing uh, well, and he's their all time leading receiver. Does he, in your mind, sort of epitomize? what the Patriots at least think they're all about, these kinds yes. of players? Yes, Ron, and, and that's why I wanted to, to do the book. You know, when Troy asked me, you know, um, can we put together something 
that would sort of put his career in one place, um, because in a lot of ways he represents, to me, not just what you know the whole Patriots thing, but just sort of the story that anyone can appreciate if you appreciate someone that did it the hard way. You know, I mean, this was not a highly touted recruit going to Marshall where he went to college. Heck, he wasn't even sure he was going to go to college at all. He went to Lee's McRae Junior College before that. And, and then, you know, he's an eighth-round draft pick of the Patriots. The eighth round doesn't exist anymore, as we know. And the one story I, I thought you'd appreciate, Ron, cause, and I wanted to have one ready to go, uh, <laughs> was, the Parce- was the Parcel story, right? So yep. how, he gets, how he gets the word that he's a New England Patriot. And, and he's all excited. He gets, you know, hey, I'm getting a call from the Patriots. It's Bill Parcells. And Parcells is on the other end of the line. And what does he say? He says, uh, Brown, I drafted you in the eighth round. Thanks a lot. You saved me a lot of money. I would have had to pay more for you if we signed you as an undrafted free agent. See you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And that's his introduction. Like, not, hey, welcome to the NFL. Congratulations. But you saved me money because I was able to pick you in the eighth round. So a lot of fun stories like that in the book. That sounds like Bill Parcells. Hey, uh, we're with Mike Reese of ESPN.com. And, and Mike, as I mentioned, you've written a book about Troy Brown. It's called Patriot Pride. And I'm wondering, what did you learn about Troy that you didn't know before? I didn't know a lot of his story, Clark. You know, how, like, in terms of where he came from, really a modest background. He didn't have much growing up in South Carolina. So that, that part, to me, was you know, uh, really fun to learn about him because I picked him up in his pro career, um, you know, in, in a lot of respects. When I sort of think of Troy, I think about the big plays that he made, um, you know, for the Patriots, uh, playing cornerback when they needed him, stripping the ball from Marlon McCree in the, you know, divisional round of the 2006 playoffs. But for me, the, the fun part of the book was sort of going back to South Carolina and then hearing the stories of how he ended up at Marshall and no one was recruiting him out of Lee's McRae Junior College. Marshall came to look at a punter that was there, and it's that, that old story. They're there to see someone else, and then they say, wait, who's that little guy in the corner of the gym on a rainy day catching the ball? And it's just so soft. You, you can't even hear the sound of the ball you know, touching his hands, and it looks so smooth. What's, what's he all about? And that's how he ended up at Marshall. And the coach there, Jim Donnan, was like, why? What, what are you telling me about this, you know, to this assistant that saw him? What are you telling me about this little guy? I don't need a little slot guy. I want the big guys. He said, just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. And, and they gave him a chance. And, and that's sort of the story of Troy's career. Hey, Mike, what do you think would have become of Troy Brown had he been drafted by Cincinnati or Jacksonville? That's a, that's a great question and it wouldn't be the same and and it's it's interesting goose because he talks about it in the book there were a couple times he almost signed with other teams so so when he was a free agent in uh, 2000 uh, he thought about signing with the chiefs when he was a free agent in 97 he thought about signing with the panthers when he was a free agent in 2005 he thought about signing with the, the saints each time he stayed with the patriots the key time for troy as he says in the book was in 2000 because that was as Ron said in the you know as we sort of came onto this interview that was when he finally broke through um, as a starter because even under Bill Parcells Troy was a, a role player you know a punt returner and actually Parcells cut him in his second year and Troy was out of the game for for seven uh, seven weeks 
So then he gets to Pete Carroll, and he tells the story about the Pete Carroll era, 97 and 99, and... Scott Zolak's throwing football to football to Troy Brown in practice, and they're toasting their first-round pick, Chris Canty, who I'll never forget, Ron <laughs> added that one pegged the first day. You know, <laughs> they, they were at rookie minicamp. He goes, oh, they made a big mistake on this pick. I'll never forget that, Ron, right? right. I was right Man. there standing with you. And, and so what does Pete Carroll do at the time? You know, still sort of finding his way as a coach. He pulls Troy and Scott Zolak aside. He says, you guys got to stop picking on my first-round pick. i got to build up his confidence. <laughs> and so Troy tells a story about that, you know, that era of Patriots football. And then when Belichick and Charlie Weiss came in, that was really the, the two coaches that saw Troy as a starter. And so I think probably, if not for those guys, I, I'm not sure it would have happened for Troy really anywhere. So to me, I think that's a great question, Goose. I think if not the Patriots, I'm not sure he ever really would have made it. <laughs> Mike, you should know that sound. It means it's time for Tom Brady to dissect another victim. But before we go, hey, quick question. When are you doing the Ron Borgia story? I love it. I love it. I, we might, we, whenever Ron tells me it's time, you know, all, all the lessons, all, all the lessons uh, that we talk about over the years with, uh, with the, 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 you know, journalism, football, and, and uh, there'll be a lot of good ones in that one. <laughs> Be a lot of pictures Thank- in that book. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, Mike, thanks for the time. Good luck with the book. Thanks, thanks Mike. Mike. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. That was Mike Reese of ESPN.com and author of Patriot Pride, which hit the market this month. This this is the two-minute drill with Rick asking this week's question, so let's not waste any time, guys. Let's get going. What's the most overrated statistic in football? Team rankings based on yards, not points. Absolutely meaningless. Sacks. What's the most underrated stat in football? Easy. No NFL player rested in the month of September. Time of possession. Just ask the Eagles defense. How would you fix the Legion of Boom? Rehire Dan Quinn. I tell them to read their playbook more often than their press clippings. World Series or Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Get to spend a week with you guys. Super Bowl. Only takes one night to be over. What's the worst matchup this week? Todd Gurley versus the Browns in their 32nd-ranked run defense or Phillip Rivers versus Oakland and its 30th-ranked pass defense? Goose, apparently you have not been listening to me. Todd is God. Give me the Gurley man. <laughs> well, I suppose it depends on what side of the ball you're on, but there's never a bad matchup with the Raiders involved. DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones? Odell Beckham Jr. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Which one of five team has the best chance of salvaging its season, Baltimore, Detroit, or Kansas City? None of the above. Columbus Blue Jackets, they're 0-6, but they got 76 games to go. <laughs> you just made Derek Burns' day. Hey, we want to thank Anthony Munoz, Charlotte Jones, Anderson, and Mike Reese for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and for rooting for those Columbus Blue Jackets, and you for listening to us. If you want to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes. Otherwise, you can catch us on this station at this time next week. We'll look for you then. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? 
If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at SimpleGreen.com. Simple Green. 